I'm excited about what God is doing here and the response that we get to have and how God is going to, to change us, I think, fundamentally as a church through this series of messages over the next month. Uh, today, we're starting our We Are Family series, and family is something we value very highly at the summit. Not just uh, we value families, because we do. We value families. We value you and your family very highly. We want to offer uh, incredible family ministries to you, whether it's through our kids' ministry with Pastor Matt, uh, or whether it's through our, our youth ministry with Eli and his team. They're doing great jobs ministering to, to all aspects of our family, so we, we value that. But we also value the fact that we aren't just a group of people that get together on Sunday mornings. I want us to feel like a family. I want us to walk in here and feel comfortable when we're worshiping God together. But beyond Sunday mornings, I want us to walk out of here and want to do life together with each other. Uh, I loved last night I saw a group of people from our church that a whole bunch of them got together to celebrate a birthday. And I love seeing that picture on Facebook because nobody made them get together, but they chose to be together outside this church. And that's what I want us to develop. That's what I want us to see. People that love not just coming to church, not just hearing a message, but they love spending time with the people that they go to church with. This is not just people we, we worship together with, but this is our family. <clears throat> I had a pastor one time that used to say we have two families. We have our birth family and our family of choice. Our birth family, whether you realize it or not, you're stuck with them. For good or bad, you are stuck with your family of birth. Uh, you have no choice over that. Um, I love my family. Thankfully, I like my family. I like my, my in-laws. My in-laws are with us today. I'm thankful for, for my family of birth, but we all have choices to make that we can say, hey, I want to do life with this person. I want to spend time with this person. I want to share my joys. I want to share my tragedies, my victories, my defeats. I want to walk through life with this person or this group of people. And if you don't have people like that, I want to encourage you. This is a place that you can find safety. You can find people that are going to love you, that are going to care about you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done. They're going to care about who you are. That you can find acceptance here because we are a family. And that's what we're endeavoring to be. And that's what we're trying to become more and more. And so what we're going to do over the course of this series is we're going to look at what a healthy family looks like and then compare that to a healthy church family. So we're going to talk about things that families do and translate that to, to us as a church and what does that look like. And so the, the first thing I want us to look at for this week is that families do life together. Now this sounds, sounds like a cliche that church people say, oh, we do life together. But <clears throat> I do life together with my family. Um, it sounds silly, but I know my family really, really well. And the reason is because I spend lots of times with them. I spend days and nights. I get up with them when they're sick. I, I, I know them they're good times and they're bad times. And they know me because they've been around me so much. My girls know how I'm going to respond. They know how I'm going to act. They know when I cry on stage that I do the, that's okay, no, no. They know that stuff. Like they know. Why? Because they've spent time with me. Because they know me. Because we're sharing our lives together. I know that, that Abby, uh, she loves for me to spend quality time with her. That's her number one love language is quality time. So if it's us out in the yard together throwing a ball, or if it's laying in her bed listening to her read uh, a book, whatever it is, she loves quality time. Why do I know that? Because I've spent lots of time with her, and I know her heart. I know how she receives love. Emma, my youngest, she loves physical touch. Like, she wants her back rub. She wants her belly. She loves to raise She'll die if she knew I said this. She loves to raise up her shirt and let me rub her belly. Uh, like, at some point, that'll get weird, but she's young enough, it's okay now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like 19, like, Daddy, rub my belly. I'll be like, I don't know, baby. I might get in trouble for that. I'm not sure. Is there a law? I'm not, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but she loves for me to rub her back. She wants to be in my lap. She wants to be hugged on it, and that's what she loves. And so um, one of the things she says is she says, Daddy, 
the first rule of cuddling is no electronics. And so if I'm, if I'm on my iPad or I'm on my phone, I'm like, all right, first rule of cuddling, I don't put it up. Why? Because she's saying the most important thing you can do right now is just connect with me. And I know that about her. I know my wife, she loves acts of service. If I want to tell my wife I love her, I can tell her, baby, I love you so much. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I can't believe I'm married to you. She's like, all right. But if I go do the dishes for her, oh, that's her love language. She's like, yes. Somebody cares about me, right? And why do I know those things? Because I've taken time to get to know those things. I've, I've done life with my family, so I know them. I get to know their preferences. I get to know what they love, what they don't love, the things about them that makes them them. Because we do life together. I heard somebody say one time, the two most sanctifying things that you'll ever do in your life are get married and have children. And I understand that now. Because before you get married, you think, man, I'm so mature in my walk with God. I know what I'm doing. Man, I love, I know I'm, I'm not selfish. I put others first. And then you get married and you realize how selfish you are, right? <laughs> Either that or you think your spouse is selfish and you haven't realized how selfish you are yet. But you get married and you realize how selfish you really are because you're like, well, wait a second. Now we got to talk about how I'm spending money? What is that about? I'm a grown man, right? Like, wait a second. We... We got to go where you want to go to eat? Ugh. And so finally you start working through that stuff and you think, okay, now I'm a mature Christian. And what happens? You have kids and that child is totally selfish all the time. All they are driven by is what you can put in my mouth, what's going to come out of me, and if I can sleep. That's it. They're not contributing anything to you other than being cute. And let's be honest, some babies early on, <laughs> come, on come on, don't you tell, oh, that baby is so pretty. And you're like, Oh, Lord, forgive me for lying, right? <laughs> they got the crazy cone head. Their head is misshaped. You know, oh, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's painful, right? They grow out of it. They get prettier. It's fine, but they, they don't contribute anything. They're waking you up in the middle of the night. They're, they're hurting your, your comfort level in your life, aren't they? They're costing money. They're costing sleep. They're costing time. All those things. And what does it do? It communicates to you how selfish you really are. Like, oh, my gosh, baby, just sleep through the night. Please, God, if, you, if there's a God in heaven, let this child sleep. Haven't you prayed that prayer before? And what it's doing, it's sanctifying us. It's helping us realize how deprived we really are, how much we really need God, how selfish we really are. It sanctifies, it grows us because we are selfish by nature. If you don't believe me, look at social media. I wish I was paid a dollar for every time somebody took a selfie and it was on my timeline on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. I would... I would be rich. And, and let me just tell you, if you are a man, if you're a grown man taking selfies, <laughs> the one that drives me the most crazy is the guy that's looking in the mirror, and he's got the, like, that one, he's flexing, or, come on, man, you're a grown man. You're, you're big enough to know you shouldn't be doing that, okay? Is it just me, or does that drive anybody else crazy? They're flexing in the mirror. Come on. We get it. You work out. We're all very happy. You don't see me taking selfies. I'm like, look at this. Mm. Mm, yeah. Right? Why? Because it's not about me. I don't care if you see my belly. I don't care. I'd probably lose a whole bunch of friends on Facebook if I did that too. Right? But we are driven by the thought that it's all about us. We, we are selfish. We are narcissistic. We, we are, that is who we are. And if you don't believe me, think about this for a second. <clears throat> when you see a group picture that you are in, who's the first person you look for? We are selfish. 
The Bible says a lot about what that means and what that means to our relationships. If you would, if you've got a Bible, you can flip over there. If not, it'll be on the screen. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. And we went through this passage uh, back when we did our Philippians series this summer. But we're going to read through it again. And this is what it says. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. They were doing a good job. They loved God. They were on, moving in the right direction. This is what he says to them in verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He's saying, I'm really happy with the way things are going, but if you want me to be even happier, then what you need to do is be united in your relationships as a church, as, as individuals, as believers. Be united. Don't cause discord. And he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Isn't that hard to do? And it's not talking about the people you like consider them as more significant, but it's talking about all people. So even the person that's taken the ridiculous selfie on Facebook, consider them as more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this, this is something we know fundamentally. In our mind, we know we need to consider the needs of others and the interests of others, but it is so difficult to do, isn't it? Because we love talking about ourselves. We are our favorite topic for most people. And... Uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. Has anybody ever been to a junior high band concert before? Anyone? Okay, a few of you. Okay. Now let me ask you this. Did anybody ever go to a junior high band concert when you didn't know someone who was playing? Anybody? No. Absolutely not. Do you know why? Because junior high students don't know how to, play, how to play instruments. Let's be honest, mom and dad. Let's be honest, grandma and grandpa. You would not go and sit through an hour and 40 minutes of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders playing instruments, maybe or maybe not together, right, if you didn't love someone who was there. So what drove you to be there? Was it because your love for disruptive music, 6th, like 7th, and 8th graders playing? No, of course not. Why do you go? You go because you love that person. I went because I love Abby. And the unfortunate thing, the 6th grade band played at the beginning. I had to sit through the whole thing. I was like, can we leave? And my wife was like, no, we can't leave. We're going to watch the whole thing. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's painful, right? Why do you go? You're going because you're supporting somebody you love. Do I, do, am I buying CDs of this music? No. Right? <laughs> you, can buy, you can buy it in our bookstore. No, we're not doing that. Why am I doing that? Because I love my daughter. Because she is interested in the flute and the trombone. She's playing them. <laughs> you don't believe me. You need to park within about two blocks of my house. You're going to hear her playing the trombone. <laughs> but she loves this stuff. So why do I go? Because I love her. I'm interested in my daughter. And if she's interested in band, guess what? I'm going to be interested in band. I'm going to find out what it takes to connect with my daughter. And if that takes me going to 6th, 7th, and 8th grade band concert, you better believe I'm going every time they have one. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be your biggest fan. Why? Is it because she's fantastic at band? No, it's because she's my daughter, and I think she's fantastic. And if she's interested in something, I want to be interested in something. Does that make sense? And so this is the approach we take with our family. We do all kinds of things, not because they make sense, but because we're interested in our family. And we have to take this approach with our church and say, you know what, if I really want to grow in my faith, if I really want to build relationships in this church, I've got to be interested in things that other people are interested in, not just myself. We have to say, what are the people around me interested in, and then become interested in those things. When I was in Enid, Oklahoma, there's an Air Force base there. I learned more about uh, training flights and the different planes that they would learn on. I learned more about the systems of how they'd come through than I would ever choose to, to learn on my own. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to build relationships with all these pilots that were coming through. And in order to do that, I had to be interested in the things they were interested in. 
If you want to build relationships with people in your, uh, your sphere of influence, then the number one thing you have to do is begin being interested in the things they're interested in. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to hunting at all. I'm on for it. But I'm not a big hunter. Um, I think at a young age, I was sitting in a deer stand at like 4 a.m., thinking like, you know, 40 degrees outside, and I'm shivering and thinking, why? I can't talk. I can't do anything. i got to be totally still, and I, I've got deer urine on me for some reason. And, like, <laughs> there's nothing about it that seemed fun to me. And I think that broke me of ever wanting to do that again. But I'm not opposed to that. But we had a guy in, a, in the church I was in one time that he was a professional guy. That's what he did for a living. So do you know what I did? I found everything I could about hunting, about what he did and how he did it, because I was interested in building a relationship with him. That wasn't phony or fake, because I truly was interested in this guy and building relationships relationship with him. So as a result, I found out about things that I wouldn't have normally found out about on my own. And we built relationship, and he got connected in our church. And that's the payoff, because I was interested in something other than myself. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now let me read this first part. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now this is saying it's not just about what we get out of relationships, but it's about us, this verse in Hebrews is saying it's about what we bring to a relationship. So what it's saying is we need to ponder and think about and daydream about how can I help the people around me love more? How can I help the people around me do more good in their world? And most of us don't function that way. Most of us are trying to figure out how to survive our day right? How to make it through. But what Hebrews is telling us is it's not just about us. It's about others around us. And it's about helping them win. It's about helping them succeed. It's about helping them do life better. Verse 25 is one that, that I think well-intentioned pastors have used out of context because they'll say uh, in the King James, it says, verse 8, not the gathering together of the saints. And so a lot of times pastors will use that as a tool and say, you shouldn't go on vacation because we should not forsake together the, the gathering together of the saints. And it's like, come on, that's not what it's saying at all. This is what it's saying, okay? It's saying there's such value in relationships in the body of Christ that if we are forsaking those relationships, we're forsaking our own spiritual growth. It's not saying your pastor is so dynamic you have to be there every single Sunday. or The worship is so awesome you have to be there every single Sunday. That's not what it's saying. It's saying when we neglect connecting together in relationships, we're neglecting spiritual growth in our lives. It is that important for you to be in relationship with the people around you, that you're growing in those relationships that we can't neglect it. We can't set it aside. It's not about you showing up to church every Sunday. Is there power? Yes, there's power here. There's, there's authority in the preaching of the word. It's important to, to worship together and take communion together, all these kind of things. But what this verse is saying is when we neglect connecting in relationship, we're neglecting our own spiritual growth. But we're supposed to encourage one another. And we're supposed to do it all the more as the days draw near. Now, I'm not an end times guy. I'm not one that's constantly looking, going, oh, Jesus is coming back any second. But the longer we're around, the older I get, the more I'm realizing we have a limited, finite time on planet Earth. That there is going to be a day when the trumpet will sound and we will be called home. And everything we've done or all the things we've failed to do on planet Earth are going to be left behind. And we have a short amount of time, and we better get busy building relationships. We better get busy pouring into people and helping them become who God has dreamed for them to become because we do not have much time. We be, need to become even more urgent about that as time draws near. Proverbs 27, 17 is a verse you might know. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. 
I've heard people say, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. And you're absolutely right. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I think you can go to heaven without going to church, but you will never live the life that God dreamed for you to live by being a Lone Ranger Christian on your own. If all you're doing is watching podcasts and listening to sermons, watching stuff on TV, but you're not connecting in a relationship, you're not growing. But not only are you not growing, you're not helping those around you grow as well. Because this verse says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So you might say, you know what, I don't need to go to church today. I don't need to be in small groups. I don't need to connect in relationship. But you do, because maybe it's not about your spiritual growth. Maybe it's about you helping someone else grow spiritually. Maybe it's not just about what you can receive from a message, but it's what you can bring to something. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, man, that Sunday was so good. And I'll think, okay, good, it was the message. And they'll go say, man, I talked to so-and-so afterwards. Or I got to pray with somebody down at the prayer time afterwards. Or I'm like, well, wait a second, I thought it was about the preaching. But it's not. It's not just about the preaching. It's about us being in relationship with one another and sharpening one another and helping us become who God wants us to be. See, we need friends who will help us be better than we are. Don't we? We need people who will help us grow in our relationship with God. We need that. But we also need to be a friend who will help others grow in their relationship with God. And if you aren't that person, you need to pray, God, help me become that person so I can help people grow you go, well, Mel, I'm not even there yet. You know what? Neither am I. I'm not perfect. I don't have all my junk together. But God uses imperfect vessels for a perfect mission and for a perfect purpose. God can use you to help grow the people around you if you'll submit yourself and say, God, I'll, I'm willing to be iron. Well, this is what it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. It says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus, that the Christ, the Messiah, was Jesus Christ. Every day. In the temple, right? So you're saying, well, wait a second, we got to come to church every day? No. What I'm saying is they took the time every single day to say, I'm devoting myself to relationship, to building up the kingdom of God every single day. It's a purpose for me. Not just one day a week, not just two days a week. Every single day of my life is focused not on church attendance, but on growing the kingdom of God. Not just in myself, but outwardly as well. And that's hard, but it's true. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Right? And you, you'd obviously hear a preacher saying that. You need to come because you're de dedicating yourself to the apostles' teaching. But listen to the next part, and it says, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. They devoted themselves, not just to church attendance, not just to, to showing up on Sunday, not just to coming to Bible studies on Wednesdays or, or being here physically on certain days of the week, but they devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. What is it saying? to connecting in relationship with people outside the context of this church, to being in, in someone's home and eating a meal with them. Have you ever had a meal with somebody? The first time you had a meal with them, you got to know them a little bit, you're like, man, I just found out so much about them in a one-hour meal. It's crazy, right? You, you find out they're chewing with their mouths open, their elbows on all that. No, but you're getting to know their heart when you share a meal together. And this is what, this is what Luke in, in the Acts is saying to us. He's saying it was important for them not just to go to church together, but to experience life together, to do life so they could know each other deeply and have a relationship with each other. Verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done, uh, being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, I'm just to put you at ease, I'm not saying we all... We're going to go buy a thousand acres and we're going to go have a commune and we're all going to sell our houses and go up there. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not interested in a commune. I love you all very, very much, but I'm not interested in leading a cult. That's not what we're talking about. 
what, what this passage is talking about is there were a group of people who were so committed to relationship with each other that when they heard about a need, they didn't say, we need to call Pastor Dick because somebody's got a need. Hey, this person can't meet, may, pay their rent this month. Maybe we need to call the Summit Church and see if they can help. They said, this person can't meet their need. We're going to do whatever we need to do to, sell, uh, to meet this need. I'm going to sell something if I have to because we're committed in relationship. We're doing life together. And because they have a need, I have a need. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, I don't know like, where this is going very much. Verse 46 says, and this is awesome, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And listen to this last word, this verse. It says, And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Do we, are we really serious about seeing people saved in any of the county, in our town, on IUP's campus, throughout this county, throughout Western PA? Are we really serious about it? Because if we are, it's not just about preaching the gospel on Sunday mornings. It's about us loving each other so well, being in such a tight community that people long to be a part of what God is doing here. That they see that and say, I wish I had friends like that. I wish I had relationships like that. And they're going to be attracted to God because of the way we love each other, the way we care about each other. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, by this, and this is Jesus talking, he says, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. When we care about each other and take care of each other, and I'm more interested in your needs than my own needs, that's when we get scared of the, the word, the R word, revival. It has weird connotations from when I was a kid at times. But if we really want to see the spirit of God move in our church like never before, do you know what needs to happen? We need to be more interested in those people around us than we are in ourselves. We need to stop leaving church on a Sunday and going, well, I didn't get fed, the worship wasn't right, the lights didn't work right, the music, the whatever, the Mel didn't preach very well, and say, you know what, how can I contribute to this body? How can I help grow the people around me? How can I be a, a tool for good where I'm at? And when we do that, God can begin to work in amazing ways. God's already doing incredible things here at the summit. I'm so thankful. But God's going to do even more when we are really committed to each other in relationship, not because we have to, but because we choose to. That's where growth happens. I've said this before. Growth in our lives, happening, spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. The, the places I've seen the most spiritual growth in my life has not been from a sermon. It's been from people pouring into my life and just being in relationship with me. Right? You probably can't name your top five favorite sermons of all time, but you can name the five people that changed your life the most. And that's why we're refocusing our energy on connecting in relationship. And that's why, as you saw as you came in, we're relaunching home groups and small groups here at the summit. And so right now you might be sitting here thinking, I am I'm never getting in one of these groups. It's terrifying. It's scary. I don't know these people. I get it, and that's okay. Um, this is going to be part of our culture. We're not going to be a church that has small groups. We're going to be a church of small groups. We're going to have people uh, that, that come to small groups before they ever come to this church because they love what's going on, and they're going to get connected here because of that. This is going to be an area that, that we can see people growing in their walk with God because of the relationships. And it's not going to have to do with me feeding them on a Sunday morning. It's going to be because they're in a group with, with somebody and they're walking through a Bible study together. Or they're in an interest group and, and they're just hanging out and spending time and they're being discipled in a one-on-one -on -one way. It doesn't even look like discipleship. It looks like a couple guys playing golf. That's what small groups is going to be and that's what it's going to look like. When we talk about small groups, you have to understand, let me just give it to you in a real basic way. Um, there are sign-up sheets out there. You can sign up. You can take a look. If you don't want to stop and sign up, this week we're going to have those same groups online that you can go online and take a look and get an idea and get a feel for, for what we're doing. Uh, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. 
Uh, this is just for this semester. We're going to have a six-week semester. So it'll start next week following um, the service next Sunday. We're actually going to have a group next Sunday afternoon. That They're raring to get started. So next Sunday afternoon, one of our groups is going to be started at 2 o'clock. Um, but they're going to go basically from there to Thanksgiving. So six weeks. It's a small commitment. It's not huge. Uh, some of the groups are, are things like a knitting group. So guys, I know you're dying to begin a crocheting group. Maybe that one's for you. But we've got things all the way to hardcore Bible study. So no matter where you're at, if you're interested in growing in your walk with God and you're interested in being in relationship with other people and just getting to know some people in this church, this is a great way to do that. Now, I've heard people say, I had a conversation with somebody a few weeks ago, and they said, no, I don't know if I really want our church to grow. And I said, how come? And it wasn't because they don't want to see lost people saved. It's because they don't want to lose the intimacy. They don't want to... They don't want to lose the intimacy of knowing the people around them. And this is what I told them. I said, how many people did you know in our church when we were 400? Did you know all 400? No. I said, well, that's okay. That's understandable. I, I, don't, I don't know everybody in our church, and I'm the pastor. I see every one of you as you're walking out the door. So I get that. And I said, but how many people did you know? I said, mm, 30 or 40 probably really well. And they said, I probably knew another 30 or 40 by name or by you know, sight. I knew who they were. I knew something about them. I said, okay. I said, as our church grows, that's not going to change. You're still going to know 30 or 40 people maybe pretty well. You're still going to have a close group of people that you know really well. And there's going to be some people that you go, eh, I don't know them as well, but I recognize them because I go to church together. So really, what we're trying to do as a church, as we get bigger, is we're trying to create opportunities and communities where we can get smaller, where you can know people and you can be known by the people in your group. And this, you're not signing up for a lifetime commitment. If you sign up for a small group, this is a six-week commitment. If you don't like your group, you don't like the leader, that's okay. You can be done in six weeks. You can try it again in the, in the spring when we do this thing over. Because we want to help you find the right group. This isn't about promoting this church. It's about you growing in your walk with God. We feel so seriously about you being in healthy relationships with people that we're taking the time and energy and we're doing this. And we're going to do it right. So we want you to be a part. If you've got questions about small groups, we want to help you with that. We want to help you find the right place for you. Our small group leaders, a lot of them are going to be in the lobby following the service around these tables. So if you've got questions, you want to talk to somebody, you're like, hey, I didn't know you were leading a group. Can I, can I be part of your group? Yeah. They're going to help you get signed up and connect. They're going to answer questions, all those kind of things. But if you need anything when it comes to this, we want to help you. So let me know. You can email me at mel at summittogether.com, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to answer questions. I'm going to get you pointed in the right direction. But that's what these guys are here for. So this Sunday and next Sunday, you'll have an opportunity to sign up. You'll also have an opportunity later this week to sign up online. So if you have questions about that, let us know. Now listen, relationships are important, but the most, relationship, uh, most important relationship you can have is your relationship with Christ. If that's not right, none of the other relationships in your life are going to be right or as healthy as they can be. So I want to take one second. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? I've got some relationships in my life that are maybe not what they should be, but I understand that my relationship with God is not what it should be. And everything flows out of that. So I want to make sure my relationship with God is right where it needs to be today before we do anything else. So that's you. Would you put your hand up and say, pray for me? I want to make sure my relationship with God is right. Thank you.